The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I'm Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman dreamed of being in the limelight. She wasn't sure what this might look like, but she just knew she wanted it. Her journey toward her dream started with music as she sang for Pope John Paul II in Rome. But music wasn't where she was to shine. Instead, her path landed her in television, where she eventually became the anchorwoman in a major TV market. And it was here that all aspects of her were tested and her true grooming for greatness began. It is my pleasure to introduce Liz Bruner. Hi, Liz. Thank you for joining me today. Annette, it's such a pleasure to see you, and thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm very appreciative and honored that you asked me to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get right to the heart of who you are. Okay. I want to start at the beginning for you. What kind of environment did you grow up in, and what were the messages you heard as a young woman? I'm particularly interested in that. Well, my family, we we considered ourselves the Von Trapps in many respects. My father was a minister and my mother was a school social worker. And we were always performing and singing as a group. My parents were in plays. We were in high school growing up. I was in a swing choir and a show choir. So music was a very big part of our life. And that's why I went into music. And I went to Lawrence University's Conservatory of Music and have a degree in performance and music education. And I thought I was going to be a high school teacher. Well, two years in, I felt there was something more I was supposed to do. So growing up, we were encouraged, I guess, to perform. We were encouraged to sing. We were musical. And yet at the same time, I still felt like there was a part of me that wanted to be an actress. And my mother used to call me Sarah Bernhardt. She said, you're always so (laughs) dramatic, Elizabeth. (laughs) And so I never really felt like I should go in that direction. And ultimately, I don't think that was the direction I should go in. So the universe and the divine steered me in the right direction. I ended up getting a degree in music. I taught high school choral music for a couple of years, but felt there was something more I was supposed to do. I couldn't explain it. I just knew there was more I was supposed to do with my life. I left teaching without a job, worked in retail, and got very brave. I had done one television commercial when I was Miss Illinois 1979 and competed in the Miss America pageant. That's what paid for my education. I paid for every penny of my education between that and my, what did I do? Oh, I had those, you know, those uh, scholarships or those um, loans from the government. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. And I worked in the dish room. So that's how I paid for my education. And when I decided that I thought, you know, I have an interest in television. I was reading a really interesting book called Who's Hiring Who by Richard Lathrop. And he talked about informational interviews. I've never heard of such a thing. And I thought, you know, I did one TV commercial for Pontiac Grand Prix, which was my favorite car at the time. And I drove one as Miss Illinois. I wonder if I could get a job in television. And I bravely and blindly called up both the NBC and CBS affiliates in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, which is where I was living at the time. And I went on an informational interview does what I think even I want to do even exist in television? I thought I wanted to be in public relations. Didn't really know. Didn't really know what that meant. Reader's Digest version, a position was created for me at the CBS station. After about six months of conversation, I was the director of community relations. (laughs) And I learned everything on the job in it. 
I learned how to write public service announcements. I learned how to do voiceovers. I learned I had my own little show and it was with nonprofit organizations. And then they asked me to do the weather. Now, I didn't have any training in the weather, but that was the best training I could have ever had for live TV. And we had a three-women weather team. I don't know if there was any of the three <laughs> weather team in the country at that time. This is 27 years ago now. But that was my launching pad. I was there for three years. And then I got called to the CBS affiliate in Tampa, Florida. And I was the only female in upper management. Talk about pretty scary. Mm-hmm. It was a good all boy network, you know, three martini lunches. And here's Liz, <laughs> this woman. But again, I just knew there was more I was supposed to continue to do. And then one thing led to another, and I ended up wearing two hats. They asked me to be the morning anchor and, oh, by the way, keep your day job. Hmm. Hmm. I worked about 80 hours a week. Hmm. And I did that for about five years. And I finally said, you know what, I I need to, or four years. And I said, "I, I need to make some changes. And I chose to take myself off the air and keep my manager's job. And then within a year, I got called to Boston. And one thing led to another, and I had a 20-year career at WCDB, which is the ABC affiliate. And then seven years ago, I left. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again, and I launched my business. And it's funny because I never, ever, it wasn't like I had this aspiration, oh, someday I'm going to own my own communications business. No, 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 no. It was, the industry was changing. And I would look at the men I was sitting next to, and they were older. And the women kept getting younger. And I'm in my mid-50s at this point. And thankfully, genetically, I think I did okay. I'm managing okay. You're still doing fine, girl. (laughs) Thank you, darling. But it really was something where I thought, what am I going to do? And I had no clue in it. I really didn't. And I started talking to people. Well, what do you think I would be good at? What do you think my skill set is? It's fascinating because some people would say, well, I see you read the news every night. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And then others would say, well, I know that you write stories. I know that you are a reporter. I know that you do all of this. And I had to sort of help them understand what my skill set was. And I would say, well, you know, I do breaking news. To you, that might be crisis management. I know you have project directors. That's me being a producer and a reporter, putting the whole story together. And once I kind of connected those dots for people, they're, oh, I see what your skill set is. And after about two years of time of trying to figure this out, and I would talk to somebody and I'd say, who else should I talk to? And oh, by the way, will you connect me? (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. what a lot of people forget to do is who else should I be talking to? And by the way, will you make the introduction? Because otherwise I'm not getting my foot in the door. With that, I came down to figuring out that there were three lanes that I could go in. I could go be some communications expert for some company. I had no idea who. I could be involved in the nonprofit world in some fashion, executive director or something like that. But I really didn't have that kind of experience. Right. Or I could launch my business and I could help people with presence and leadership and communication skills and everything in between. And oh, yes, by the way, maybe some media training thrown in. And one of my mentors said to me, Liz, you're well-known. You're well-respected. That is value. You're credible. That's value. Why would you give that to somebody else? Launch your business. If in six or nine months, you don't like it, you don't have any clients, you can always go do something else, but this is your one shot to do that and use the platform that you have. That's exactly what I did. And I had been playing around with some some marketing with the website and things like that. And I had told the people who were working on it once I gave them pictures, oh, you've got six months. I'm not going to do anything for a while. I called them that day because a kaleidoscope went click for me. 
I knew in that moment, this is what I had to do. And I said, remember when, when I said you had six months, you have six weeks, because I knew if I didn't do it then, Annette, I wouldn't have the courage. I had to do it right then. Bruner Communications was launched. And seven years later, here I am. And they're still doing it. So, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to build on what you've just shared with us. So for, in that television, for years, you were, there were thousands of Americans watching you from their TVs in the privacy of their homes. And I certainly many of them envied your position of stardom. But I suspect it was not all sunshine because oh. being in the limelight brings a world of judgment and criticism. So I want to ask you, how did you handle the personal judgments and criticisms that must have come your way so that you didn't deem yourself confident? And I want you to share that because I want those listening to hear how someone that was so much in the limelight, how you dealt with that, because that's really important. I don't think I did. I dealt with it very well. Okay, that's that's fine, too. So, yeah, so I, mean, I, I mean, I I feel like I'm probably more confident today than I was at times in my career. I'm not going to say I didn't have moments of confidence or that I didn't ever feel confident, but the television industry is a cutthroat business. Absolutely. And I'm sitting in that main anchor chair and I know there's a whole line of women behind me who would do anything to be sitting where I'm sitting. It's extremely competitive. Yep. Yep. Very hard. And you're, you're judged. Think about Nielsen ratings. We would be able to know Every 15-minute increment, if somebody's watching your, your channel or they're flipping and going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And when the ratings took a dive, you yes, know. Yes, you got blamed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there, there's all of that in, in place. And I also believe that as women sometimes, because I came up differently than most people in the industry, period, when I first, for example, got to Boston and I was in the news magazine of Chronicle Division, as opposed to the news division, two very separate factions. So when I went to Boston, I came for the news magazine show. And within a year, they tapped me. Again, I'm wearing two hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I work right. the magazine side. And oh, by the way, we want you to anchor the morning news. And I'm thinking, I've already done this. I can do this. Okay, I'll do it. And again, I'm working a gazillion hours a week. But the people in the newsroom did not respect me from coming from the news magazine side. And oh, by the way, she doesn't have a journalism degree. She doesn't have a communications degree. She's not an English major. She has a music degree. You can imagine, you can just imagine how ostracized I was at times and how people tested me. They were looking for me to fail. Of course they were. So what, did you, so what did you do with that? Did you, did you, um, well, sometimes I had the attitude of like, watch me. <laughs> okay. All right. So you used it to fuel you. There were times. times. Did you, me. did you sometimes go in the bathroom and kick the trash can and cry? Well, I didn't kick the trash can in the bathroom, but I'd come home and be crying and furious and upset and hurt and angry and say to myself, come on, Liz, you know, you can do this. Don't let them get in your head. And, and I think sometimes we as women will have that imposter syndrome. Right, right. We won't. We we think everybody's going to figure out that we're really not that good. Right. I would tell myself I knew I was, but when I felt like all these things were coming against me, it's really hard. Now, thankfully, the ratings most of the time were good. Right. But even still, you know, when they weren't, or things because there's an ebb and flow. Of course. And there were a lot of of things. Of course. So I think to be truthful, 
There were times when I suffered from imposter syndrome. There were times when I had a lack of self-confidence. But as I've gotten older, and I really, this is an important message for all women to hear, and men too, but all women, there is an ebb and flow to confidence. It's not static. It's not like, oh, we achieve it once and then boom, we've got it for the rest of our lives. No, there are times when that barometer is going to take a dip. We have to practice confidence. We have to, on a daily basis, sometimes practice confidence and boost ourselves up. that I, I play for myself and I share with other people. It's the ABCs. A, I am authentic. I am awesome. B, I am brave. I'm beautiful. C, I am confident. I'm creative. What I believe that does is it shifts the vibrational energy. It gets rid of those negative tapes that we play in our heads sometime and tries to reinforce the positive. Because we all have that greatness within us. I believe we're all leaders within. We just don't always let it shine. No, and the world doesn't, and the world doesn't bring it out in us. So I want to stay in that space with me for a second. Because during your, your television career, you had the privilege of interviewing top names, which included people like President Barack Obama. But such interviews certainly came with lots of pressure and performance expectations. <laughs> yes. so, I want to, so I want to know, how did you keep yourself calm in these interviews and what would you suggest to businesswomen when they find themselves in situations of high pressure? Mm, good question. Well, with the president, that interview took four years for me to get. Four years of writing letters to the White House, hoping that somebody would read them. <laughs> hoping that some I'd get a name other than just the media office. And when I got that first name, finally, I was like, ooh, I jumped on it. And what was interesting about that experience as well is that many people in the newsroom were like, well, why is she going? I should be going. It's like, excuse me, I'm the one who's been writing the, to the White House and you've made fun of me all these years. So mm -hmm. I'm going. And when I got there in that, I told myself, look, I don't care what your politics are. To interview a sitting president is an honor and a privilege and an opportunity. I'm going to enjoy every single moment of this. Was I nervous? Yes. But I tried, to, I tried to fuel that. And funnel that energy into saying, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm going to ride it all I can. I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. Absolutely. But there was incredible pressure. And when I was there, I had to do four stories in a very short amount of time mm -hmm. with you know, one interview I had. But what that brings to, to your second question of what do women do when they're in these high-pressure situations, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but it really is to just breathe, to Find that calmness to center yourself and really own who you are. Try to shut out the noise. And I know that's not easy. Believe me, I know it's not easy. But if you can, own that moment. And if it's a negative pressure situation, then see how can you turn it around? How can you make this a positive? How can you be in control when in some situations you may not be in control? But what can you be in control of? You can be in control of your emotions. You can be in control of how you let those emotions come out. You can be in control of what you say, the words that you use, your verbal delivery, your nonverbal cues. You are in control of that, if nothing else. And cling to that as hard as you can. 
hundred percent. All right. So I'm going to move to something else now. All right. So you have reached incredible levels of success with so much more to come, but along with incredible success comes disappointments and failures, whether it be in bottom line profits, in personal relationships, or in your own self-perception. So tell me, how do you find your way through these disappointments when they come? I come back to a quote from my mother that says it all. The goal of living is to be able to absorb all of the pain of life and lose none of the joy. That's easier said than done. But you anchor in that. I anchor in that. I also have a strong faith. I'm very spiritual. And I find that if I can cling to that and hold on to the thinking that the universe is there to support me, it's not out to get me. It's not out to hurt me. And sometimes when things don't go our way, the universe, the divine, is protecting us. And that ain't always easy to accept. (laughs) Especially for control freaks, right? (laughs) Exactly. exactly. But I also believe the older I get, that the more that I can embrace that and live with that approach and philosophy, doesn't mean I'm not going to have disappointments because life has disappointments. There, there are always going to be challenges. There are always going to be things that don't go our way. But I'm hopeful that if I can continue to cling to that, as hard as it is some days, because it's hard some days, I'm not going to lie, it's hard some days, but that's how I choose to want to live my life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. And another question. Early in your life, you dreamed of being in the limelight. So now I ask, what do your dreams look like now? And what wisdom does this hold for other women dreamers? I think every decade presents itself differently. I really believe, you know, in your 20s, you're thinking one thing. In the 30s, you're thinking another. Now I'm in my 60s. Holy cow, how'd that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Big fat number in it. <laughs> 60s. I think that the, the goals change a little bit. And for me right now, It is how can I be my best authentic self? How can I serve in the best possible way? How can I help other people live their best life? I love teaching. I love motivating. I love inspiring. I love sharing stories. I want to find ways to help people become their best authentic self. And to me, that is about being of service in some way. And if I can use my gifts and my talents and my skills and share them with other people, men and women, to help them move the dial, which is what I love about the coaching process so much. It's so transformational. When you see the progress in people, when I see it, that's great. But when they see it, that's the best feeling in the world. It's like the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. So for me right now, That is what success looks like. That is what I hope to inspire other people to do, to how how to become their best authentic self, whatever that may mean. And that's different for everybody. That absolutely is. And I I love that you pointed out, and, and all our listeners need to pay attention to this, that each decade of your life will bring different, different goals, different dreams. So, and each one of them, ride them, enjoy them, ride the disappointments, realize that they're only a point in time. And And at the beginning of something bigger. The other thing is, as long as we're continuing to learn, we're growing. Right. And without those disappointments, we don't learn anything, do we? We don't learn anything. It seemed like there ought to be some other way besides skin (laughs) and (laughs) stuff. Yes, 
I agree a hundred percent. That's how it all works. That's how it works. So Liz, is there anything else about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Sometimes people have asked me, what would you tell your younger self? And I feel like I wish I could say to my younger self, it's all going to be okay. And you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, but you're going to be okay. And to have that confidence. I wish I had had more of that sooner, earlier in my life. I had, I'm not going to say I never had confidence because obviously I wouldn't have done what I had done. Right. Whether it was in the pageant world or whether it was in television or performing, singing, whatever the case may be, I've had those moments clearly. Right. But I wish I could say you can have more of them. Own more of who you are and find that voice, find that authentic self sooner. And find the support. You know, we, we think we're walking this alone. And you and I started before we even got on the air together here today talking about how we have been guilty of thinking that we had to walk the path alone as opposed to reaching out to people like you and I who are willing to help. But I think and, that I think for some of us that it's hard for women to ask for help. It's hard for women to reach out. And I think if I were to say to any woman out there, don't be afraid to continue to find your tribe. Allow yourself to be vulnerable enough and open yourself up to finding your tribe. It's not going to be easy because we are kind of a a small bunch. (laughs) Yes, we are. We are, but it's okay. It's okay. And continue. I mean, the fact that you and I have connected and I love how we got connected. Mm -hmm. You were a guest on my podcast. I was, I was, which came as a referral from someone, so... So be able to kind of find those women, and it's not easy. It's very hard, and and it even it may be a small nucleus, but have that. I mean, that's the thing that I I am so excited about right now is is I want to have this this great core, this tribe of such strong, powerful women who are not intimidated by one another, right. who support one another, who are willing to go out of their way to help other women. And I think a lot of women just, you know, they put other women down. It's their own insecurities. It's their own insecurities. So, And it's very ugly when it happens. It's awful. (laughs) So Liz, thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule to be with me today. And Liz is another example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds.